In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. Yes, good morning, folks. Welcome. Looks like it's going to be an okay day outside. 88 degrees, our expected high. We're at 75 right now. And no real mention of precipitation. Tomorrow there is, though, even thunderstorms on Wednesday. It's the party line on 970 WATH 97.1 on FM as well. Good morning. Um, August 8th. Wow, this uh, time is flying by. And we've got a fair. That's right, the Athens County Fair is in full tilt now. Full tilt? No, full... Well, full blossom. We'll go that way. And um, we'll have uh, some of our personnel down there at various parts of the day. Um, If you uh, see us down there, come by and say hi, won't you? August 8th. Well, what kind of day is today? Today is National Happiness Happens Day. It's sneak some zucchini into your neighbor's porch day. (laughs) Okay. It's uh, National Dollar Day. National CBD Day. National Frozen Custard Day and Global Sleep Under the Stars Night. <laughs> Couple interesting ones in there. But why would you s- sneak some zucchini into your neighbor's porch? Don't understand that. Now, let's see here. I've got all sorts of papers in front of me. I have to divide them up a little bit. We often do historical events, right? On this date, that date is again, one more time, August 8th. But the year is 1509. This is a tough one. Emperor Krishnadeva Raya is crowned, marking the beginning of the regeneration of the 
Vijayanagara Empire in southern India, 1509. In 1609, the Venetian Senate examines Galileo's Galilee's telescope. Think of it, to have someone invent and in such an item in the 1600s, the telescope. 1786, on this date, U.S. Congress unanimously chooses the dollar as a monetary unit for the United States of America. wonder what, I suppose before then there was more than one choice, right? Like the pound, which is British. I'm just curious. I've never taken the time to think about it. Scott, this, uh, the pound, it still exists. A pound and a dollar. What is the current um, well, then let me turn on your mic. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, there we go. Good e- morning. The current uh, value of the, each. Yeah, the current exchange is um, U.S. dollars one dollar and 21 cents equals a British pound. Okay. Hmm. Well. So it takes a dollar and 21 cents to make a British pound. There you go. And, um, of course, that varies periodically. Oh, yes. Yeah. Exchange rates vary from day to day, really. Well, the year is 1925, the first national march of the Ku Klux Klan. And it says between 25,000 and 40,000 marchers occurred in Washington, D.C. Now, that's just... uh, Ku Klux Klan was anti-black, right? Yes. They are a white supremacist group. Okay. 1925 this was. Odd that they they can't zero in on a closer number. They say between 25,000 and 40,000. But... That's what they've got. Okay, 1945, the USSR establishes a communist government in North Korea.
U.S. President Richard Nixon announces he will resign at 12 p.m. the next day. I'd kind of forgotten about this, even though this was during my era. And he did so because of what? Well, Watergate. Yes. Mostly. The Watergate break-in and the conspiracy for spying on the Democratic Party and the Democratic nominee at the time, which was, who was it, Hubert Humphrey? And Edmund Muskie, I want to say. I think you're right. I can remember that my mother was a very devout Nixon fan. And she could just not even discuss it. Because she was so disappointed. I guess that makes sense, the way I described it. All right, moving on here. <clears throat> and then, on this date in 1988, the ceasefire between Iran and Iraq takes effect after eight years of war. Oh, you know what? I just had a thought here about the uh, Humphrey Muskie ticket. I think that was 68. I think he ran against George McGovern and Tom Eagleton in uh, 72. I'm amazed you you have those names in your head. Yeah, I can still remember those uh, stickers that we, when I was in junior high school, uh, they, we we kind of had a political thing going on in classrooms about, you know, who was running and trying to educate us about the the voting process and i remember the the bumper stickers that we used to get from the offices that were located in downtown athens at the time both uh republican and democrat offices if i'm not mistaken yeah but i i remember those bumper stickers like the party headquarters yes yeah yeah well then um should we attempt to do a little better on the Richard Nixon thing? Well, yeah, that was the uh, that was what I was mentioning. And in, in 1972, he ran against um, McGovern and Eagleton and the Democratic headquarters, and I think Washington were broken into. Why is the name Agnew popping in my head? Well, he was uh, Nixon's running mate. Okay, and uh, and. Uh, he also resigned due to tax issues. He resigned before Nixon did. Nixon then replaced Spiro Agnew with Gerald Ford, who still remains the only vice president and president in the history of the United States to never be elected to either post. Because after, obviously, Agnew resigned. You know, Gerald Ford was not elected. And after Nixon resigned, Gerald Ford moved into the presidency, which he was never elected president. I have 
have a picture in my files <clears throat> of myself um, conversing with Gerald Ford at a meeting. Well, famous birthdays. Let's move on. <coughs> Dustin Hoffman. Celebrating his 85th birthday today. And once again, we, re- we remind you today is August 8th. Dustin Lee Hoffman is an American actor and filmmaker. He is known for his versatile portrayers of anti-heroes and emotionally vulnerable characters. And uh, one of his most famous movies ever, for me anyway, was uh, Rain Man with Tom Cruise. He was also in The Graduate in 1967 and also Tootsie in 1982. Roger Federer. um, Today celebrating his 41st birthday. And um, his sport was? Tennis. Yes, indeed. He is a Swiss professional Swiss professional tennis player. He was ranked the world's number one player by the Association of Tennis Professionals for 310 weeks, including a record 237 consecutive weeks, and has finished as the year-end number one five times. Wow. That's like winning the Super Bowl or World Series five years in a row or five different times. Here's a name I don't know at all, and I probably will be embarrassed when I find out. Paul Dirick, D-I-R-A-C. He was born on this year, <coughs> of, or, or on this date in 1902, and he died in 1984. Paul Adrian Maurice Derrick was an English theoretical physicist who is regarded as one of the most significant physicists of the 20th century. Hmm. And uh, let's see, what was he famous for? He is most famous for his 1928 relativistic, there's a word for you, relativistic quantum theory of the electron and his prediction of the existence of anti-particles. <laughs> Which doesn't tell me much. No, and I still don't really know it. But um, here's, here's what Albert Einstein wrote about Derek. <clears throat> he said, I have trouble with Derek. This balancing on the dizzying path between genius and madness is awful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean Mendez celebrating um, his 24th birthday today. And once again, I don't know who this is, although he looks familiar, his photograph. Sean Peter Raul Mendez is a Canadian singer and songwriter. He gained a following in 2013, posting song covers on the video sharing application Vine, and uh, some of his songs include Senorita, There's Nothing Holding Me Back, Stitches, Treat You Better, of which I know none of them. None of those ring a bell for us. No. 
All right, two famous deaths to uh, share with you. One is that of Glenn Campbell. Glenn, of course, uh, was born in 1936. Died about five years ago in 2017. Glenn Travis Campbell was an American guitarist, singer-songwriter, actor, and TV host. He was best known for a series of hit songs in the 1960s and 70s and for hosting the Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour. Yep on CBS TV from 1969 until 1972. Born in Billstown, Arkansas, passed in Nashville, Tennessee, and one of his most famous songs for me is Wichita Lineman, The Rhinestone Cowboy. And it goes to say, what is his most famous song? It is his pop crossover smash hit, Rhinestone Cowboy. Yeah. Biggest hit ever on the Hot Country Songs and ranks at number one on Billboard's recap of Campbell's biggest songs. And I think he suffered from uh, Alzheimer's, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He was, uh, his health was declining. He had to stop touring, obviously. He was, um, in, in failing health with the progressive yeah. disease of Alzheimer's. And the last one uh, to, to share today is that of Patricia Neal. And she was born um, in 1926, but died on this date in 2010. Patricia Neal. Patricia Neal was an American actress of stage and screen, a major star of the 1950s and 60s, she was the recipient of an Academy Award, a Golden Globe Award, a Tony Award, and two British Academy Film Awards, and was nominated for three Primetime Emmy Awards. And some of her movies include HUD from 1963 with Paul Newman and In Harm's Way from 1965, also starring John Wayne in that movie, and from 1961, Breakfast at Tiffany's. And some of her TV shows include The Waltons from 1972 to 1981 and A Little House on the Prairie from 1974 to 1983. Hmm. Well, I have a picture of here of her here in, um, well, she's uh, very nice looking. I just couldn't picture her in any role but the Waltons I would have known and uh, another one that you mentioned along the way Little House on the Prairie I, I'm Breakfast not sure. at Tiffany's yes yes yeah so um, anyway so that takes care of that yep um um can I be personal for a minute? Uh, it depends. Yeah, well. We'll see. Um, folks, um, I'm struggling with... with. Um, oh, I thought you meant you were going to ask me something. I, I so. am. Oh. I'm getting there. Okay. Um, I'm struggling a little bit with um, being alone. Um, something that has helped me a great deal 
are Hope and Foley, my two dogs. Um, out here we have a, I guess you would call it a wild cat. Yeah, a couple of them. And, you know, I've watched Scott for months. Um, get Go to his car and get food for these cats that live here by the station. And um, unfortunately, your your personal cat passed last night, right? Uh, actually, Saturday night, early Sunday morning at some time. Okay. Yeah. And 18 years with you. Almost 18 years, yes. And um, so as I was pulling the stories for this morning, I kept thinking about you. And just, you know, the thought occurred to me, would one of these cats here at the station uh, adapt to a truly domestic life? Well, I've thought about that, too. But uh, they're very feral cats, and as soon as they see a person, they run for cover. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be easy to corral one or both of them. But, yeah, I thought about that. And there was also um, a mother cat and kittens at uh, Friendly Paws, mm-hmm. uh, snowshoe cats. Boy, are they beautiful. And they were up for adoption, and apparently the foster of these cats uh, decided they could not stand to part with them, so they decided to adopt them, which is wonderful. Yes. Because I I thought about adopting all three of them too. Well, but, they're uh, they're. Um, <coughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep looking. Nobody uh, probably knows more about the pet options than you do with your regular morning report. And um, I, replacing a pet is a little bit easier than replacing a wife. Oh, I'm sure, yeah, but, um, without a doubt. But I tell you, Hope and Foley have helped me so much uh, the last few, well, two months. Yeah, that's uh, terrific. They've been a blessing to you for sure. But, you know, it's like, now I go home, my cat, uh, she would greet me at the door and mm-hmm. meow and her tail was up. You know, it was always a happy greeting, just like a dog will greet you at the door. And uh, I, I couldn't walk in the door without her smelling my hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, where have you been <laughs> type of thing. But she was my buddy and my companion. I get it. So I, um, I feel for you, man. Well, thank you. And likewise for you, too. Every day I do. Listen, um, let's turn our attention to the news more. Um, it is Monday. It is August 8th. We're covering a sweeping spending bill which Congress has been dealing with all 
well, all weekend and even before. There's also a pause in escalating tensions in Gaza. Well, really, there's just a whole bunch of things going on. So, what about Congress? And more specifically, the Senate. They passed a sweeping $700 billion spending bill by a party-line vote yesterday. Now, The party-line vote is 50-50, so that's a stalemate, right? Yes. So who gets to cast the tie-breaking vote? The vice president, Kamala Harris. So, it was approved. And the approval came through budget reconciliation a process that allows fiscal bills to circumvent the 60-volt threshold needed to break a filibuster. The process also allows a wide range of amendment proposals, and that final vote followed more than 15 hours of overnight debate. The package, which was pulled together in secret over the past two weeks, focuses on climate, tax, and health care provisions. Included are roughly $160 billion in tax credits for clean energy production, $64 billion to extend Affordable Care Act subsidies, and a 15% minimum tax rate for most large companies. Also included is a long-sought provision to allow Medicare to negotiate prices currently set by manufacturers on a set of to-be-determined prescription drugs. Typically, a small number of widely used drugs account for a disproportionate amount of the costs. In 2019, the top 10 medicines covered under Medicare Part B made up 40% of the total drug spending. Well, the House is expected to approve the bill, sending it to President Joe Biden for his signature. Okay, let's move on to the Gaza. Clashes in the Gaza Strip between Israel and the militant group Islamic Jihad escalated over the weekend with Israeli forces carrying out multiple airstrikes while more than 100 missiles were launched in, uh, by the Iran-backed group into Israel. The militant group's commander was reportedly killed in the strike. 
while Palestinian officials said at least 31 people were killed and more than 250 others injured. As I understand, of the 31, maybe six were children. And these are rockets, projectiles, whatever you want to call them, that uh, failed to hit their target. They fell short. So these were accidental, you might say. There were also 250 other people injured. Going on, home to about 2 million Palestinians, Israel surrounds the vast majority of the 25-mile-long Gaza Strip, and an economic blockade has been in place for over a decade. Islamic Jihad is separate from Hamas, also viewed by Israel as a militant group which governs Gaza. Though they share the same similar goals, analysts say the latter has thus far stayed out of the current conflict, and we hope that continues. And finally, it says, as of yesterday evening, a tentative ceasefire had been called. On a different story, Alex Jones must pay over $45 million in punitive damages for claiming the 2012 Sandy Hook massacre was a hoax. That according to a Texas grand jury which ordered that last Friday. The payout would add about $4 million in compensatory damages, bringing the total award to the parents of the six, I'm sorry, of the slain six-year-old Jesse Lewis to $49 million. The lawyers representing the parents had sought $150 million in the case. Well, Jones' lawyers have planned to appeal a decision after incriminating cell phone data not meant for the case were presented to the jury. Last month, Jones' primary company, Free Speech Systems, filed for bankruptcy, but a separate lawsuit alleges Jones has been funneling assets into shell companies to limit the company's ability to pay the defamation lawsuits. And that case is in its very early stages. Well, Jones faces two more defamation lawsuits over the next few months, one in Connecticut and another in Texas, which may potentially increase the amount he will owe in damages.
Um, I came across this little blurb. Elevated stress. Elevated stress is linked with teeth grinding and clenching, which causes poor sleep, jaw pain, and headaches. But did you know one in every four adults grind or clench their teeth while sleeping? So 25% of us, they're saying, do this. Getting a good night's sleep is so important for energy, focus, and productivity the next day. But grinding and clenching your teeth at night may be sabotaging your sleep quality. Um, I think many dentists... upon examination, can ascertain or make a, a guess, maybe, that you are inclined to do it or that you aren't. And this article goes on to say, if you do, there is a, um, a guard that you can place in your mouth which will make your life much better. Yep, would sure help you keep from probably waking up with a sore jaw or a headache or whatever that teeth grinding may cause. Will save your teeth too, if nothing else. Absolutely. The wear and tear on them. <clears throat> Absolutely. Well, Let's turn our attention to the New York Times and their morning report. German Lopez is today's um, editor. It varies sometimes day to day between three or four different people. And he starts out, despite grim headlines, 2022 is less violent so far than last year. I was amazed at that statement. I I can't believe that. Um, yeah, apparently he hasn't been to Columbus, Ohio recently. Well, it seems like the Columbus TV news stations report a shooting almost nightly now, or in the then it, Next morning, mm-hmm. I have friends that live in that area that say that they are a little uncomfortable about going downtown mm. to Columbus anymore, whereas they used to not be. Right. It's my hometown, you might say. Yeah, pretty close to Worthington, obviously. And, um, I spend a lot of time downtown in theatrical productions and things like that. And I always had a great feeling. I loved being in Columbus. But the stories recently have um, 
how would you put it? Um, a little grim? Well, just it makes you a little more nervous. Yeah, a little more anxious. Anxious. Well, I've been, you know, to shows, uh, musicals, concerts. Of course. Downtown Columbus, even outdoor shows. Um, you know, it just is amazing how these things happen in the either downtown area or even some of the neighborhoods. Yeah. The surrounding well, let's, suburbs. Let's let's see what this story has okay. to say. <clears throat> so once again, they say, despite grim headlines, 2022 is less violent so far than last year. Crime. Murder and mass shootings have dominated headlines this year. Just over the weekend, a shooting in Cincinnati wounded nine people and another in Detroit killed one and wounded four. But the full crime data tells a different story. Nationwide, shootings are down 4% this year compared to the same time last year. In big cities, murders are down 3%. If the decrease in murders continues for the rest of 22, it will be the first year since the year 2018 in which they fell here in the United States. Now, in 1990, The annual murder rates in the U.S. You had 10 murders per 100,000 people. Right now, it's not 10, it's 6.7 per 100,000 people. That's, I mean, one is too many, but... Still, statistically speaking, we wouldn't have realized that. Well, the declines are small, but they are welcome news after two years of large increases left by the murder rate. Uh, I'm sorry, left the murder rate nearly 40% higher than it had been. Um... One reason for hope, the likely causes of the spike in murders in 2020 and 2021, are receding. I'm going to assume they're talking about COVID. Let's see. Yes, disruptions related to COVID probably led to more murders and shootings by shutting down social services, which had kept people safe in closing schools, which left many idols, I'm sorry, many teens idle. Thomas Fuller and Tim Arango wrote about the connection between the pandemic and gun violence. But the U.S. has opened back up. 
which will likely help reverse the effects of the last two years on violent crime. The aftermath of George Floyd's murder in 2020 also likely caused more violence, straining police-community relations, and diminishing the effectiveness of law enforcement. That effect has eased as public attention has shifted away from the high-profile episodes of police brutality. A similar trend played out before, after protests over policing erupted between 2014 and 16 murders. Uh, murders increased for two years, then fell. 2020 was a chaotic year overall. Of course, we had COVID. We had protests about police and presidential elections. This turmoil fostered social discord, which also could contribute to murders. As people lose trust in each other and their institutions, they are more likely to lash out in crime and violence. As the chaos recedes, the violence may be receding as well. This kind of good news rarely goes reported. An example of what my colleagues, David Leonhardt, has also called the media's bad, nude, bad news bias. In 2022, bad news bias has left many Americans thinking that violent crime is worse this year when it ultimately may not be. And this bias has skewed public perceptions of crime and violence in the past, too. Well, when the media reports on crime, it almost focuses almost always focuses on grim stories. A recent analysis by Bloomberg found the headlines about shootings in New York City recently increased while the actual number of shootings remained relatively flat. The old cliche here is that if it bleeds, it leads. The constant stream of bad news is one reason, experts say, that Americans consistently say crime is getting worse when it is not. Between the 1990s and 2014, crime, including violent crime and murders, fell more than 50% across the U.S. Yet most of the time, a majority of Americans told Gallup that um, the Gallup polls, that is, that crime was up compared to the year before, when it wasn't. We're just getting told about it more, and so we obviously assume that means it's worse. So this bad news potentially leaves American more Americans more scared for their safety than they should be. Well, 
guess you, you get the point. Um, we are part of the media, a very small part. Uh, I have tried to say I don't want you to alter the news to our various news directors. But let's try to present it with balance. But at a local level, that's hard to ascertain, really. And without statistics, and at this level, statistics are hard to come by. And when I say this level, I mean like Athens. Athens County. Or Southeast Ohio. There may be statewide stats. But do they reflect Athens? Anyway, it's a difficult thing, and we deal with it daily. And yet, on the other hand, if we don't report what has gone wrong, we're not doing our job either. Well, Scott, I should ask you for something funny to say, but we only have uh, about 10 seconds, so that's hardly time to do it. Is yeah, it? yeah, we'll save it. We'll save it. Folks, have a very good day out there. Enjoy the weather. It looks like it's going to be very decent. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H Evans. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. The president is headed to Kentucky to get a first-hand look at the flood devastation in the eastern portion of the state. CBS's Dan Lieberman has our top story. President Biden expanded federal aid to Kentucky with FEMA providing more than $3 million in relief funds and hundreds of rescue personnel have been deployed to help. We need some dry days. That's what we need. While people try to stay hopeful, the threat of flooding goes on. National Weather Service says